Wow. We're recording. We are? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll re- cut that out. Okay. <laughs> Nobody likes to give up how many downloads they get. <gasps> I, why is that? Why do you think that is? It's secretive. It's like it a business. very secretive. And I also, like, I've caught people who I know are bullshitting about them. Like, they'll lie, and you're like, okay, sure, man. They'll, the people, it's, um, it's a controlled power thing, you know? And, and it's also, I think, for some people, when they, when they go like, oh, I get this amount, they're, they're sort of giving in that, like, what they're doing doesn't work as well or isn't, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, they're, they're sort of saying, like, oh, well, what you're doing is working better than what I'm doing. Yeah, but also it's kind of hard to quantify, isn't it? Like, we, the way we do it, we don't really know. Well, you kind of know. We have yeah. a vague notion, but we don't have No, exact. it's more than a vague notion. It's a vague, fleeting, like, I just imagine a number and that's it. That's the number. There you go. But I think a lot of podcasting is about how long you've been doing it. That's it true. You build up your audience that's by true. doing it long. That's two, true. check, check, two. That's true. Are we on? <laughs> We're on. This is on. This is on. Yes. Positive push. You got it. I will wait for the intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Um, it's so good to be back. Um, it is. This, let's see. Do some dates. Where are you going to be? So, guys. Hi, mommies. Uh, I will be at the San Jose Improv first thing in 2013. Come see me, San Jose Improv, January 3rd through 6th. Go to improv.com for tickets. And also, the following week, January 10th through 13th uh, in Kansas City at the Kansas City Improv. So, come see me and we'll get barbecue. Or tell me where to get barbecue. Yeah, man. What about you, Buns? All right. Well, the, um, this week, this is the last date of the year for me, uh, Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. I'm going to be there 21st through 23rd, San Francisco. Come see me. Uh, Push is going to be with me, <laughs> and um, you're going to do some guest spots. You call me Push like Bert Kreischer. And um, also, uh, Chris Porter is going to be on the show, oh. so it should be a fun show. And then right after the new year, January 3rd through 6th, the Chicago Improv, which is not in Chicago. It's in Schaumburg. Schaumburg. And January 24th through 27th, I will be at the Cleveland Improv. Mm. So make sure you come and see your boy. Now, um, you guys know that we joined the All Things Comedy Network. It's a a fun, collective uh, place where we get to hang out with our friends other comedians, like-minded people, and also people folks. we think are funny and and we think are part of the gang. If They're you all will. there. Go check them out. Allthingscomedy.com dot com has um, uh, direct links to a lot of podcasts, uh, a lot of good folks uh, doing interesting and fun and funny things. Um, this week, we'd like you to check out the Spanglers and Friends in Gosh. This is festive show at the Haywood Theater. Wednesday, December 19th at 8 p.m. And The Dark Forest with Jackie Cation. Oh, I love Jackie Cation. Yes. She's great. At Nerd Melt at Meltdown Comics, Thursday, December 20th, 7.30 p.m. So make sure you check those shows out. Those are live shows. And, of course, there's many podcasts at allthingscomedy.com. Check them out. And, of yeah. course... You can always go to your mom's house podcast.com. There are uh, direct links to all these offers, and uh, um, you can like shop. Amazon. Right. You can shop through Amazon. Amazon Mom. You can go to the store, which has the new Real Mommies Only t shirt. Oh. It has the Wipe Down collection, 
all kinds of fun stuff. So check that out. Um, as you can tell by my voice, I'm not fully recovered yet. No. Um, we recorded last week's show before it aired, or before I got sick, and... Anyways, I had to cancel. It's the first time I've canceled a gig in, um, I think, ever. Ever. I've, I've, I've gone to perform feeling worse. Yeah. But I think with age, I learned it's not worth it anymore to do that to yourself. It isn't so because... I actually said no. It, yeah, it isn't because if you don't heal now, then you're going to take this shit with you to Cobbs and yeah. you're going to stay sick through the holiday. Yeah. And you're going to stay sick through 2013 and it snowballs. So I'm proud of you. That you stayed home. It was hard, and I apologize to um, you know. I had people that were emailing me and tweeting from Vegas that were going to come to the shows, and and I'm you know I feel badly that not able to to do it, but I couldn't. I could not do it. Well, you're better now, though. You you seem to be on the mend. I'm I'm getting better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm through the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. But I am surprised at how strong it has kicked my ass. Yeah, I hear the flu is like really bad this Jesus. season. Yeah, my it friend really Jenny said she was down for like three weeks. So three weeks, three weeks. I swear, <laughs> I'm at a week right now. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Um, so you're gonna hear me still sniffling and blowing my and nose barking. and everything. And Ugh. of course, we we would be um, so you, annoying. You know, it would be uh, silly and 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 really unconscionable of us to not even address. Um, yeah, far worse than my sickness was the <laughs> the worst news ever. Yeah, um, this past week. Uh, well, no, and the thing is, I, I know that we're a comedy podcast, and yeah. we spend our time discussing farts and bowel movements, but I think for us not to discuss this would be so weird, because it was one of those things, like, Friday morning, I woke up, and I just checked my uh, my phone, like I normally do for the news, and you're like, what? And then I feel like all day we were just glued to the television. Like, it was one of those things where, like, remember when 9-11 happened? And I'm not saying this is equivalent to 9-11, but it was that feeling of, like... Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's this, still, it tears people away like that. Is this happening? Like, I couldn't yeah. think of anything else on Friday. I couldn't even muster, like, another thought. Yeah. So this is actually, I'd say, the first time that I've tried being funny since Friday. Yeah. It was such a, a horrific thing, and I don't think anybody's over it yet. No, no, it, it's about, it's the absolute worst news, and, and it... You know, I think it's affected, like you, millions and millions of people here and around the world because it was devastating. I mean, I I was actually, what I was most surprised by with that news was it actually showed me how little, because it it affected me so much more, I think, like a lot of people because it was children, was how when it's adult shootings, how commonplace those are to me now. Right. Because I was affected more by it because it was children. But usually now, when it's like, oh, there's a school shooting, like a high school or a college or right. thing, I'm just like, uh, it's not that I don't care. I'm just like, oh, yeah. like It's expected almost, which uh, is just, really yeah, sad. It's, that, that's, that's really the, 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 the devastating part. And I think, too, what I keep thinking about, it's like how everyone's like, oh, it doesn't happen in Newtown. It's not, it's not part of our thing. Not in this place. And I think that's part of the problem is when everybody's like, but our place is awesome. Can't happen here. Yeah. And maybe it's that mentality of not here. Everybody's perfect and normal. You know, maybe that's why they, you can't see the signs of something like this coming. Or I, maybe it's this it can't happen here mentality that's the problem in the first place. Uh, that, that might be. I, I think it's a very complicated issue. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, look, the, everybody's talking about gun control now and, and mental health stuff and yeah there's some answer there i don't know what it is it's somewhere in between well um 
you know, just know that, um, of course, your mommy's uh, thoughts and prayers are with the people of Newtown. Yeah. And um, we decided that, you know, we had to, we wanted to say that and talk uh, briefly about it. Um, and now we're going to go back to, to what we do. <laughs> And uh, bringing we're, joy, we're gonna do our we're show. We're gonna try to do. We're gonna have, try to have fun. Yeah. And we thought, who better to bring <laughs> joy, uplift people, get the holiday <laughs> spirit really kicking, than the one and only Stephen Brody Stevens? All right. Yes, positive push. You got it. Glad to be here in the home, the house. You heard me speaking earlier. But I sat back and let you guys do your business, get emotional. This is what you're feeling is normal. And, you know, it's I was booked before all this stuff happened. So it's an omen that I am here for the first show after what happened back in Connecticut, which, of course, is a terrible bummer of a thing. And it's hard. You know, I tweet a lot. And yeah. the day of that that happened, I only tweeted maybe three tweets. Wow. Very indicative. Wow. Of, yeah. I it still affected, had to get my tweets out. It sure. affected everybody. It affected but it was everybody. a bummer. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Um, look, uh, Stephen's here. Brody's here. You Stevens got it. Stephen, Brody, and Stevens. They're all here. Um, we're going to start the show. Are you ready to start the show? <laughs> I thought the show started, but yep. let's kick it into high gear. You got it, Tommy, <laughs> Christina. Would you do us the honors of spitting say, off the red nose reindeer? Um, you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blissin, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Come on! Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer had a very shiny nose, boom! And if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on! Come on! All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call them names. They never let poor Rudolph join any reindeer games. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Come on, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you ride my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeers loved him, and they shouted out weekly, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you go down in history forever, you go down in history forever, you go down in history. What? <laughs> that is going to be Rudolph, Rudolph. I'm so I'm so excited. Did I get the names right for the radio? Let's see. Answer. Let's Answer. see. Answer. This shit is big time. Who is Randy? Don't bring anyone mother into this. Your mom in the fucking stand. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to your mom's house with Tom Segura. Tom Segura. And Christina Pajitsin. Welcome to your mom's house. Like dancing. All right. That's what we're talking push, about. Believe. Yeah. Push and believe. Hashtag yes. You got it. <laughs> Happy Christmas to you. Hanukkah, I am a Jew. Positive Redondo, that's where I hide out. Right. You got it. Shit, man. Who was that scene? Was that Buster Point Dexter? That was DMX. Of the New York Dolls? Oh, it was DMX of the New York Dolls? It was DMX of the New York Dolls in a radio station singing Rudolph. Oh, wow. He sounded actually with it. He was totally with it. I mean, he's had his struggles, 
But um, he was, uh, that was a nice rendition of what's, that. What's he known for that? D M. What y'all niggas want? That's, that's him. That's, that's definitely one of the things he's known for. He barks. Is that his hit? Where the where my dogs at? Oh, that's right, the dog uh, guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of dogs in the videos too, right? Yeah. He loves dogs. He's Boomer. well. Yeah, I don't know if he loves dogs because he's been in trouble for not caring for his dogs properly Uh-oh. out in Arizona. So I don't know if he loves where my dogs at. They're not oh. being taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're at. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I could be right. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow. How have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. More like, wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. We use Mint Mobile at the office and we have been saving so much money since switching over. And setting up a Mint Mobile's website was super easy. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash mom. That's mintmobile.com slash mom. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash mom. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code YMH24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code YMH24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply. Must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Um, you guys, we have in the studio, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with Stephen Brody Stevens, I would say Brody is one of the most innovative, Ooh. Uh, interesting, yeah. <laughs> uh, put it this way, other comedians will stop what they're doing and watch Brody when he's on stage. And that is saying a lot, because we're all selfish, self-interested turds that don't care about other comics, but everyone else will stop just to see what you're going to do. And I think that's a credit to your creativity and your positivity. Well, thank you very much. I would say at the comedy store, yeah, there's comedians who watch what I do, but I will peek out on the patio. If you're in the original room, you could see what's out on the patio. And I'll peek out on the patio and I'll see several comedians having a conversation and not watching me. And you're darn right, it bothers it. It bothers it. It bothers me but <laughs> no comed- I know comedians tend to like me for whatever reason and uh, not whatever reason it's your talent and your originality 
Okay. And let me put it this way. I, I know you're going to give your credits probably in a moment, but... No, I only do I, that. I like that. You, I mean, I can. Well, let me just say one credit. This is, this is how I came to really fall in love with your work and you. I, I was a writer on Chelsea Lately for a minute and a half. And every day at taping, you do warm up. And I would make it a point to get out of my fat ass, get my get out of my fat ass downstairs to taping and watch you do crowd warm up. Because I, I swear to God, it was the funniest part of the entire fucking... And this is a show I was writing on. Right. I couldn't watch the show, but I would watch you because you were so funny and you had a tambourine and you were, you were getting them interested and getting them involved and it was so fucking good. And she would actually come home every day yeah. and talk about audience warm-up or would text me. <laughs> yeah. She would text me uh, videos. Like she would, she would take a video. Yeah. Of oh, like, really? Secret oh, yeah. videos? Like, yeah. Secret videos? Like a 10-second so video. Funny. Be like, you got to see. Th-. She was absolutely, yeah, obsessed. Smitten yeah. with the, the talent. And by the way, he's going to be on Chelsea lately, January yeah, 8th. We, we didn't we, mention we, that. Uh, January 8th. Yes. I'll be back on Roundtable. Chelsea has been putting me on Roundtable about once a month this That's past great. year. So... I'm happy about that. But can you believe how much she admired your work? As as uh, I mean, she really was like comedically intrigued by you. Are you talking about Christina or yeah, Chelsea? No, Christina. Oh yeah, I mean, I knew Christina was. Uh, she's always been super supportive of me. Love yeah, him. and uh, you know, I do appreciate that. She's a good energy, a good spirit, and I enjoyed my time doing warm up at Chelsea. I still don't. I like doing warm-up. I don't seek it out like I once did, but I will pick up warm-up gigs. I like to define myself more as a stand-up comedian, a personality, or what have you. But um, warm-up, I I did it for like nine straight years at Chelsea and Fox Sports. And it's it's kind of a double-edged sword because you're doing crowd work, and you can work in some jokes, but just because of the pacing of the show, it's... It's sometimes hard to get your jokes in, but your crowd work and your personality definitely come out. But that's what you did is you took you took what you knew the that format to be and you made it your own. You to 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 our listeners that might not understand what goes into a taping, a live taping is that you know you have your shows, whatever shows they may be, you have a a studio audience that is, you know, kind of brought in, sat down, and then there's a lot of waiting. And then there's, you know, cameras are positioned, you have producers walking the floor, and then there's more waiting. And that's where, like, things, the energy goes, it gets real flat in there. Oh, and then all of a sudden they want to go, hey, it's showtime. Boom. Fucking be at a 10 for this, right? But that's what Brody was amazing at. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. the, the, the audience well, to understand. Can I, can I tell you the best part about doing Chelsea lately with Brody is warm-up is that, look, let's face it, there's only so much shit you can say on television that's really funny, okay? Yeah, Your yeah. jokes are maybe, because you're being censored at a 5, when yeah. they could be at a 10 if you, you weren't censored. But just to have Brody working the audience, he would literally, when it was time for them to laugh, he would open his mouth like, ah! like laugh and then spin his fingers like come on fuckers laugh 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 and i'm telling you without you there doing that Mm -hmm. i don't know if i would have been as funny well i appreciate (laughs) that and i didn't like tell the audience to laugh i wasn't i was you prompt them you go i was encouraging them this is a joke we laugh we laugh you and it's like right find the funny find the joke be supportive these are comedians they're used to performing in clubs and now when you're here in a tv show it's bright you're not drunk. You're you're it's you're sitting in these these bleachers. These are comedians, so I want to make these comedians feel as as much uh, feel like they're in a club. 
Yeah. So when they're doing their jokes, or they're even if they're not necessarily funny, because these are fresh topics. It's not like they have all week to work on yeah, it. They get the minutes. topics, you know, an hour before the show. So I would always prep the audience on that. Let them know what the comedian was going through. So be supportive in that way. And then when you're supportive up front and you bring that energy, they pick up on it, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of chill and relax. What? How did you first get into audience warm-up? Um, when I moved back here in 2000, I lived in Seattle for three years, lived in New York for three years. And then when I came back here to L.A. in 2000, I was doing stand-up around town, bring, not bringer shows, but, you know, uh, out, you know, the uh, clubs, shows outside of clubs, for example, just shows around town. Anyway, I was doing a show in Gower Gulch and... Uh, Rich Williams was a, I don't know if you know I him. I love but, yeah, Rich Williams. Was, uh, was a comedian on the show. And he had told me that he was working on a sports show, like a Saturday Night Live meets sports kind of thing. And I was doing, I do Rich's show on Wednesdays or Sundays or whatever. And, and he thought, I had I happened to call him like out of the blue one afternoon on a weekend or something, or a weekday. And uh, he asked me what I was doing. He said, well, they have a test audience at uh, the, that show I've been working on. You want to come down and talk to them? I had never done warm-up before. So I went there. I did the test show at the Fox lot. They had uh, you know, the athletes on it. And I liked it. It was fun. It was like my first, like, oh, you're going to pay me a couple bucks? And then I did it the next day. They paid a couple bucks. And then they said that we're going to use an audience. So do you want to do it? I said, yeah. And I did it. I ended up doing 1,000 shows. A over thousand five, wow. shows. Yeah, over a five-year period there. I just kind of stuck with it the whole time because, you know, one, I was getting paid <clears throat> weekly, fair amount, at least for a single guy in L.A. Two, I was getting that mic time. Three, I got to meet all these different athletes and personalities. You're a big sports guy. You like sports? Yeah, I like sports. So I was able definitely to connect in that in that angle and then just... As a performer, getting that mic time anywhere from an hour to three hours a day with all these different high schools, junior colleges, regular people, corporate, military, it really helped with my crowd work confidence. And I would have a few jokes, too, of course, but that's how I got into it. Rich Williams kind of like said, you want to try this test show? And then I did that. And then from doing that, I just picked up other gigs, other warm-up gigs, but Nothing like a sitcom warm-up gig. Those are, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother, you're there five to seven hours. Mm. The audiences are really right down the middle. You can't do anything that's... Would you want the, that gig? I mean, if somebody, a friend of mine, or I, ha- I had that kind of protection, you know, give me an up, let me figure it out a little bit, I might be up for it, because I know they make good money, but... You know, here's my thing. Am I a war- do I want to be known as a warm up guy or do I want to be known as a comedian or personality right. or an right, actor? Of course, right. yeah. And for years my friends, some of my successful friends are saying, You gotta get out of warm up. You need to go out on the road. You need to kind of uh, blossom on your own. This is holding you back. And I like doing it. Just like when I moved over to Chelsea when Best Damn Sports Show ended, I went to Chelsea. It was like, this is a fun gig. I'm getting paid. I'm getting mic time. And Chelsea's show was a little bit different than the sports show. but And she would put me on the show as well. But again, my friends were saying, more so before the Chelsea at Best Damn, they're saying, you got to get out and do it. And it and um, once I stopped working at Chelsea, I've been out of warm-up consistently for about two and a half years now. And that's about how long it's taken for me to wipe the warm-up off because mm-hmm. I would be doing stand-up 
and I feel like that warm up energy would kind of oh, like see what you're saying. trickle into my act. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But can I tell you that that might be to your benefit because I've seen you do the comedy store at like midnight on a Wednesday, which is probably the dead. It's at the hardest dead hour spot. Yeah. And people have just gotten up and walked out. Maybe you've got six drunks, a couple of stragglers in the back. I've seen Brody go up there with like a deficit, like you're at a real fucking deficit. And he goes with his tambourine and the music and positive energy. And you've turned it around to where people, once they start to get what you're doing, because a lot of times they don't get it quickly. When they get it and you can turn it around, it's the most fucking coolest thing to watch. And it, I don't know, I think you're, you know, it doesn't come off as crowdy to me. It comes off as like, that is you, that is your essence. That's your joy and your positive right. energy, and you've got great jokes. My favorite joke is when you talk about going to the batting cages. Oh, you get lonely. <laughs> tell you a joke, the, please. You want me to tell that joke? This is, this is a faux pas, but just because I don't want to fuck up your wording, that's all. Oh, I say I get lonely. Sometimes I go down the batting cage just to play catch. <laughs> like it's talking about my father and I'm playing catch with this <laughs> machine. So kind of re- uh, yeah, replaces amazing. it. Um, I like that you honor your father, too. You honor him on Twitter sometimes. You'll put like... You'll, you'll, I think you'll, I think I've seen you quote specific days, like this is his birthday or, or something like that. I've done that. that. I, I know I've mentioned like military. My dad was in the Navy. Not yeah. like, I mean, but everybody was in the Navy back then. So, you know, I'll say stuff like that. Yeah, I know. like that, man. I like but, that um, and Daisy, we know about Daisy. Daisy, my mo- it's my mom's dog. A lot yeah. of people think it's my dog, but Palm it's Palm Springs? Palm Desert, Palm, Palm Desert. Springs, Palm Desert, okay. same kind of area. My mom lives down there. And she's been with Daisy for almost four years now. And we've been always trying to get my mom a dog, just a Companion. companionship yeah. and give her something to do. And Does she love Daisy? Oh, yeah. yeah. She wishes Daisy was more affectionate. Daisy's kind Why? of her... Well, okay. because a lot of dogs... What is she, a terrier or something? She's a terrier. I she's called a, it. Who called it? Shih Tzu Terrier. Yeah. And, um, not loving, generally, sometimes. Yeah. Terrier. She likes to get her tummy rubbed, mm-hmm. but she is not like... Let me sit on. Let me sleep with you. Oh, I like that. She doesn't sleep with my that. mom, but she'll sleep in the same room. Like when I when I visit, I'll sleep on the couch, and then Daisy will sleep on the couch with me, but not <gasps> not, but not like cuddling up with me. Right. Okay. More like I want to sleep in the same room with you. Do you like that level of intimacy, or would you prefer Daisy to be? Because I, I like the dog to be on me like a pug. I want them on me all the time. I, that kind of aloofness would anger me in a dog. I don't like that. I yeah, like well, dependency. Um, I don't think my mom gets angry with Daisy, <coughs> you know, but it, it no, is you, you when you sleep with that dog, I'm saying, well, I don't get angry. I'm happy that she wants to be out in the living room with, with me. And I know Daisy loves me because when my mom mentions my name, she gets all excited. <laughs> or if I go in and out of the door, she's looking for me. Aww. So it's kind of like she wants me around. But in terms of like. Let me. She'll like jump up on the couch and want to sit with me for a few minutes, and then she goes off and does her own thing. She's very like independent, but her face is so cute, and mm. she is. She does love my mom, but she, and and me, but she doesn't show the affection like right. you know jumping up and licking and all that stuff once in a while. So, but you know what? They get along, and my mom loves her, and it's it's you know she got a pretty. Cute little face. Really cute face. We love pictures of Daisy. I've seen them. I love them. People love them. That's why I put them up. I like seeing them. 
and then I know that other people like seeing them. Sometimes I put up too many, possibly, but I figure I've got a lot of different fans. You do have a lot of different fans, and everyone loves a puppy, a cute face. Yeah, even though she's like four or five now, but she still has that puppy face. Yeah, those cute little white dogs. So I like putting, it's like, yeah, everybody who sees Daisy likes her face, and oh, she's so cute and all that. So I just try to convey that on to <laughs> Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and same kind with my comedy. It's I, I, I try to give people that don't know me, try to give them that experience of people who do know me. I'm, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm trying to like be the same guy I am at Chelsea, be the same guy I am at the comedy store, be the same guy I am at the improv, same guy. And I, and I know that. Yeah, the comedians like me, and uh, I mean, they're they're they've seen me a lot, and I feel like okay, let me just be patient with the audience and build up yes. my audience. It's a slow build instead of getting frustrated. Oh, I only have forty thousand followers, which is a good amount. That's I'll a take lot. It. I'll take that's it. That's a lot. I'll take it. Um, or why aren't I on that? But da da da. But it's like right. I'm just trying to do what I what I do with. With my friends again, I'm not trying to recreate the wheel. And then, if you do comedy long enough, you start hearing, you know, consistent themes. Like I like when you do that. I like when you do this. You different people start saying the same kind of things. You go, okay, this works. Mm-hmm. So, like when I do the positive energy, people like that. It's not that I'm not into it. Yeah, right. I'm not just saying it. I think it's funny that I'm saying it. That I'm so like positive energy. Yes. <laughs> I mean. It does work, but I'm also kind of not mocking it, but I'm also like forcing myself to say it just yeah. to get that blood flow. I know, but I do. I know what you're saying like you can't kind of help what people like about your act in a way. Like you can't help what people resonate with, and it comes from you, right? You're genuinely putting out there. But then sometimes, because I feel this way too, where you're like, you know that that's what they'll like, so you do it, and then you feel like kind of a whore afterwards. You're like, oh, I just did that. You mean a certain joke or yeah. a certain? Yeah, like you, you know. What, how to how to milk them, and then you do it, and then I feel a little bit of shame afterwards. I mean, I've probably have done that. I mean, you go on the road more than I do. <laughs> like, if I had to do consistent hours all the time, oh, right. I'm sure I would be doing some things that, oh, I'm doing that again, you know? Yeah. Whereas when, when I'm here in L.A., I, you know, I'll do 15, 25-minute, 30-minute right, spots, right. Oh, right, but yeah. I'm just kind of like just going through it. Right. I mean, I'm just pushing through. I mean, I'm being trying to be funny, of course. Whereas, like, yeah, if you're on the road and you're putting a show on, there's different. It's a different energy. A it bit. is. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. They get a beautiful gift, and you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The only tricky part figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. This is what I recommend for any jewelry purchase source it. From BlueNile.com. BlueNile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions and give recommendations for every budget. I know it can be overwhelming. I've been in that position. And what you want when you're getting to something like jewelry is an expert to help guide you along the way. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. And just in case you're not satisfied, there's 30-day returns. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. 
Your sex life is important, but your schedule is busy. You don't have the time to go to a doctor's office to get treated for your erectile dysfunction. Through Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment, options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash YMH. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash YMH for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash YMH. Hardmints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Now, a lot of people, do they know that you've been in the hangover? I was in the hangover. I had a small part. And a lot of people say, oh, this guy, he'll talk about his credits. The only reason why I do is because I love it. People make such a big deal about credits. Oh, you got to have credits. You got to have credits. They know you from this and a credit. Oh, you can go on the road. And <laughs> right. then, so I'll be doing a joke or material and the crowd's not laughing. I'm going, why are oh, you guys aren't laughing? I mean, <laughs> the director from the hangover thinks I'm funny. He put me in it. I did Chelsea lately five times in the last year, but I guess I'm not funny. And uh, I mean, I've done these jokes on TV. These jokes have been, uh, accepted for television and you're saying <laughs> no to them right now. Well, you know what? You're wrong. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Sure. Right. But in a fun way, not, right. you know, you don't want to like, I'd also like to point out that not only were you in The Hangover, but also in The Hangover Part 2. two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I played a different role, but you could say it was the same role. They were both involved in law enforcement. Yeah, but, I mean, you made it to both films. I made it to both, mm-hmm. and I'm happy about that. Um, am I in Part 3? I'm not. It's not happening. There was a a chance, but there really isn't a role for me in Hangover 3. And does it bother me? A little bit. It, it does bring me down a little bit. But then again, I have to say, hey, I'm thankful that I was in Hangover 1, Hangover 2, and then Todd, the director, put me in the movie Due Date. You were the limo oh. driver. I was a limo driver in Due Date Saw with it. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I, I did my scene with him. Yeah. So, And I'm, you're good friends uh, with Zach Galifianakis? Good friends with Zach Galifianakis. I've known him before. All this stuff happened. I'm not going to say he wasn't already on his way to being successful when I met him, which he was. But I definitely knew Zach before the rest of the world. Yeah. And uh, always made me laugh, And but a good guy. Probably, like a, a, to me, more of a friend than a comedian. Right. To me personally. So I, have to, I, I look at Zach like that. And he just makes me laugh. You know, I could sure. see why everyone else is uh, connected to him. Yeah, he's a funny, funny guy. Funny guy, just yeah. naturally. And likable. Yeah, totally. So... I did warm up on Zach's show also. Zach had a talk show, and I did warm up on that. I got fired actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, Zach fired me. No, um, the the producer, one of the producers who didn't know me. Oh, Brody scares the audience, and they fired me. Instead of like giving me, you know, a note like Brody, can you tone it down a little bit? Maybe they just fired me, and that bothered me a lot. 
And Zach did everything he could to get me back, and I got back. I worked a few jobs, a few more days there, but that bothered me when the guy said I scared the audience. And the audience is basically the same audience from Best Damn Sports Show. I knew them. It wasn't like I didn't know these guys. I knew them. So, again, there's an example of somebody walking in who doesn't get it, who's happened to be an executive producer. Yeah, doesn't get it. There's a lot of that. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of not getting it there. I ever tell you my – I haven't told you my warm-up experience. Did I tell you that? Oh, my God. No. I did audience warm-up for a couple episodes of Last Comic Standing um, during season, I would say season two. Okay. Um, What happened was Rich Williams was the audience warm-up guy. I think I remember that. One of my friends, Chuck, was working on the show. Uh Uh-huh. And he said, you know, we've had him him there a lot. I just want to mix it up. Like, it wasn't like you're going to take over. It's just you can... We, I got you in to do warm-up, so just go there and, you know, whatever, uh-huh. on Tuesday for the taping. I said, all right. So I show up Tuesday. At this point, I'm only about two years into stand-up, and I've never done audience warm-up. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm like, all right, so I'm like, what do I do? They're like, well, you know, just you've seen them, how people do it. Just, like, do your stand-up. So I go, okay. All right. So I have, like... I basically fifteen minutes that's like passable, clean, you know, funny. Like I feel comfortable like about stand up. So welcome everybody in. They're like, yeah, go go. I do my fifteen minutes of stand up. It goes well, you know, well enough. People yeah. are laughing, and um, I'm t- I'm doing a little bit of crowd work, a little pirate. All right, everything good, good, good. We start shooting. Shows shooting. I'm like, great. And they're like, yeah, you're you know, you're all set. We shoot for like. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm still. I'm still stuck on that. You had 15 passable minutes at two years in. That's way better than I did. Really? I think it took me about seven to eight years to get 15 minutes of passable well, clean material. Now passable was um, TV me. clean. Yeah. Also, yeah. that we're talking about my opinion of myself at the time. Okay. So all right. Sorry. I'm sure if I look back, that's you know. really good. 15. So, anyways, we're taping. You know, and uh, then. About thirty minutes into the taping, the the stage manager comes to me and he goes, uh, "You know the cameras were fucked up, so we're gonna have to go back, reset everything, and shoot everything that we just shot over again." Uh huh. Yeah. I go, "Okay." So he goes, "So why don't you just go out there while we reset everything?" Right now, I had burned my fifteen minutes. Yeah. So I go, uh-huh. "All right, well, I don't, you know, how long am I gonna be out there for?" And he goes. I don't know, like forty minutes. Oh my god! And I was like, forty minutes. He's like, well, we got to realign, we got to reset everything, man. And I go, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, your job. And I'm wow. Like, oh shit. So I go out there and I'm like, I'm like, do you guys have anything to give away? They gave me some shirts, and then I tell, I ask one of the guys, I go, do you have any music? And he's like, yeah. And I have a dance contest <laughs> on stage where I'm dancing yeah. with. Audience people. Right. And I mean, like, sweating, like, please, dear God, <laughs> let these 40 minutes go by. I don't even know how it ended. Like, I, I, I fucking, I think I stepped out of my, like, that's how much panic I felt, you know? Well, you know, when I get into situations like that where, and I've been in a couple where you have to stretch and do that and you don't want to do jokes. Um, I would do crowd work, of course, see how that goes. But not only did I have to do jokes, I had no more jokes. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of yeah, jokes. Yeah, okay, you're out of jokes. 
I go into the singing contest. Oh, because everyone, everyone here in Hollywood, they want to be, they want to be recognized. They want to be, they want to be that star. So I go, anybody here sings? There's always people love karaoke. Yeah, you're always going to find somebody to sing. Huh? And okay. with with that, you could tie in a T-shirt or you know, I don't like doing trivia. No, I never would. I wouldn't do that. I had these photos I would show, like 11 by 17 silly photos uh, <laughs> laminated of, like, this is my bar mitzvah photo. This is me <laughs> on the night I lost my virginity. This is me with Hugh Hefner, whatever. I had all these celebrity photos, but they're kind of hard to lug around. But if I was to do a show that was, yeah, definitely uh, an hour and a half or longer, <sighs> then I want to have uh, pictures probably, maybe some candy. Get candy, me some, that's a good idea. Get me some candy. When it's over two-hour taping, you yeah. want to give them. Like when I worked at Chelsea, it was a half hour. Yeah. You know, I'm Quick. not, not going to give out candy, right. and I'm not going to give out T-shirts. This show's funny enough on its own. You're, it's kind of like you're lucky to be here. Right. You're going to get an autograph from Chelsea if you got a book. Right. You get to see these stars. I got to give you candy to laugh? Right. No way. Screw these comedians you. are funny enough. Right. But when I worked at... Say best damn sports show, which is a three hour show. I would have candy Jesus. and pictures. And I'm learning from the best right now. If I go back to audience, one. yeah, you could do that. It's like, yeah, it's a good. You learn about people. You learn about groups. Mm-hmm. You learn about energies. You learn about you know the talent. You always want to like when I was at best damn, for example. I always wanted to have the crowd. A lot of times they're high school kids, but I wanted to have the crowd connect with the talent and the talent to co- connect with the crowd and so let you'd the give, cameras you'd let pick them up know? on that. You'd be like, hey, would you tell them, would you give them like a bio kind of on who's on the show? I, I would sometimes give them a bio, like we're going to have this guest on, we're going to have this guest, but positive energy, we sit up, we push through. If you hear a That's laugh, you said. join in. These are real guys up <laughs> oh, there. Oh, that was my favorite when he, for, for Chelsea Gill. Uh, come on, guys. Chelsea is real. I want you to be real because Chelsea is real. Christina we, is real. You would say real that. people, yes. <laughs> so it's just different, and you learn about, like yeah. I said, it made me great at reading the crowd. And, yeah. and, I, and I can do that in my stand-up comedy. I can do crowd work, but, you know, it's like you can't do crowd work necessarily on Comedy Central or you know, right. network TV. Um some comedians look down upon it. It's it blows my mind. Yeah. I uh, I was you know some fucking feature that I had the last few months was like oh yeah you know it's like I see certain headliners do crowd work and I'm like hey man why don't you write some material and I'm like are you crazy right now like yeah, stupid you don't even have the skills to do that and yeah. you're shitting on that yeah. like or they'll say you know. Oh yeah, I thought it was like spontaneous crowd work, but then I heard the same line right. the next show, and I'm like, yeah, but the whole the skill is that nobody there knows that. Right. Like they were able, they know how to like put the bait out there in the perfect way mm-hmm. to get an audience to bite onto it mm-hmm. and then make it look. That, I mean, yeah, of course it's a different ability than uh, a completely spontaneous thing, but it's still a skill. Like you just it's, don't have that. It's skill. still a skill, and it. it it also to make it look like magic, like you yeah, said. like it's a magic trick essentially. 
You should do. Should you do an entire two hours like that? I, maybe I've look at <laughs> Don Rickles. No, look at Don Rickles' act. Okay, right. Uh, he does it by picking on people, but those insults are jokes. Yeah. So he's written that shit. Of course. That's still writing, and but it that's just the, adds an element that's of That's the marriage of it. That's right. the marriage Correct. of it. Is yeah. that there is an element of in the moment, but there's also the element, you don't realize it, or most audiences don't, that that's not on the spot something he just thought of. Right. You know? It's... It's in it's in the library. It's in the chambers. Yeah, man. yeah he's fully It's loaded. there. But yeah. sometimes it is spur of the moment. Well, like so. It's a mix. It's, it's a mix. Absolutely. Like my crowd work, I like to tie it in. I like to like, I'll talk to this person. I'll talk to that person. I go, there's a connection right there. And then I talk about my connections with the crowd. And I'll ask some other things like where they went to high school. What did you do today? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe thirdly, I'll say like, what's your job? If you don't mind me asking. It's easy to say like, where are you from? Or what's your job? I don't even know. I don't always like to say what's your job because some people don't work. But right. yeah. you go, what do you do for a living? But it's, I do that and then I'll do some connections with it. And then I'll mi- yeah, mix in a joke yeah. too. So I try to do it all. The only thing is like when you're, let's say if you're doing an auditorium, if I get to the point where I'm doing big theaters or auditoriums, like it's harder to do crowd work in that situation if you're up on a big stage. It is can't. until you get to the point if it's that big. Then what you do is you do what like Russell Peters does, is you have monitors, uh-huh. uh huh, big monitors so everybody can see, and you yeah. have a camera guy down in the front row, and your camera guy is like showing the rest of the audience what you're seeing, mm-hmm. and that's what he does for arenas, you know. But you can't hear what the audience is saying, can you? Um, I think you kind of. I mean, he reiterates. I think yeah, that's he what, does which those. is what you would do in a nightclub. Yeah. Is where what do you do for for a living? I'm like. Uh, you're a mechanic. He'll tell me about that. So like, he'll just reiterate what that person said. But how can he, from the stage and on these big monitors, how can he tell? How can he? He I mean, can how, hear them. He He's can close enough them? to hear them. He'll only pick on the first like couple of rows. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he can hear their answer like you would in a nightclub. You know what I would like to do if I get this opportunity I've thought about is like maybe on Conan or Kimmel. And I think Todd Glass did something like this on Kimmel. But it's to do crowd work. Let me go up into the crowd. Oh, yeah. I can't believe there hasn't been more crowd work celebrated in stand-up, like in specials and stuff. Like I, you know, I'm like a lot of audience people. I love seeing good crowd work. So, And audiences obviously love it. And they, for some reason, for television... They shoot down the idea of yeah, letting a guy who's stupid. awesome at it do it for television. Because like, you can shoot it, like you just said, in a way that the, the viewer at home it. understands that it's a oh, spontaneous yeah. moment. It's a happening. Like I, think, I would love to see Ian Bag uh, right, that special would be good, yeah. where you let him do tons let of Let him do work. his shit yeah. and just ta- tape it correctly. Or Stephen Brody Stevens. Yes, thank you for that. I was a little thrown off, but you know, not <laughs> I'm not the only guy who does crowd work, so I know it's a uh, other people are doing it. I think these TV shows would be nervous about crowd work because of the editing involved. It's like extra work for them, and you know, it, it's, things could go wrong. They're also nervous about because a lot of times, you know, the comedy person on that show is removed from a certain process of it, which is there's certain executives who go, you know, they go, "Hey, is this guy's stand up? It's been vetted, cleared. It's a funny set. Yes, it's going to work." cool that fills four minutes on our show that we know is going to be funny but if you go hey we're just going to put him up there and let him talk to people then the higher up people go i don't feel so good about this man like 
What do you mean we're just going to put him up there? Well, he's really good, and he can just make it happen with the audience. Yeah, that's not really a plan, man. Let's have him do rehearse. Like, they start to get nervous higher up the food chain about, is this going to be a good four or five-minute representation on our show? Well, that's why you could only do it on certain shows. I right. would say Kimmel or Conan. Yeah, it would be the, the people. Probably that, Conan might, I think might allow something like they that. They would have the most probably room for, you know, at least they, they have the imagination and, and the, the balls to, to try stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think even when I did it, they mentioned to me, do whatever you want. Like if you want to go up into the crowd or do whatever. When you, you did wanna, Conan? Yeah, because I did a post tape. I did it right after. So they, they let me say you could do as long as you want, and then we'll just edit it down. And there wasn't even a guarantee that it was going to air on the show. I kind of did my Conan set in connection with my HBO series, uh, digital you, digital series please that nobody could see. God, that you brought this up because the other day, like we just switched our cable providers, and one of the things I've been wanting to watch on HBO on demand was it was it called Enjoy It? Enjoy It, yes, Brody Stevens <laughs> on HBO. It. But HBO I can't find Go, it. it's HBO Go. It's the digital platform, <laughs> internet subscription. It is on some. On demands, depending on your cable or your digital provider. Okay. But guaranteed on HBO Go. I don't know for how much longer, oh, but it is cool. on there. How long is it? Uh, it's six 15-minute episodes. There's six 15-minute episodes on HBO Go, and it is Enjoy This. Enjoy, enjoy it. it. I'm sorry, Enjoy It. Enjoy <laughs> This, maybe six. season two. Silly. You um, uh, with Stephen Bowie Stevens. How was making that series? Um, it was... It wasn't painful, it, and it wasn't painless. Would you like some toilet paper? No, I'm okay. Um, the process of the show was... All right. With the, you're blowing your nose. Yeah, Is there a, a cough, Mike? I mean, it's so... Is there a blow your nose, Mike? It's so loud. But he has I mean, to do it, so I understand. No, Tom to has it to do it. Right by the mic? Do you think you could he move, moved move it. away? You guys are fighting. Wow. Is this right normal? In front of our kid? Just is like this normal? Day five of this already. Let's wrap it up. You know, Our son right here. <laughs> I don't like to see you guys argue like this. I know. We grew up in the same... Same apartment, apartment building. building. Can you believe that? I don't know if we lived there during the same year no, or I, two. I don't, I, think there, I don't know if there's any overlap. I'm still blown away because I know that you're from the Valley. We've had this discussion. I grew up there as well. And uh-huh. you like to, on stage, cite different locations in the Valley... And say like eight one eight for life and because the, again the crowd is into it. If I if I did yeah. eight for eight eight one eight for life and nobody ever laughed, I would stop doing it. <laughs> of course, just like a lot of my a lot of my sayings. But yeah, yeah people seem to like the eight one eight, and we grew up in the same uh, apartment building on the same. That's street. crazy, and I didn't realize that different times. But uh, we were both there, and that's. Look, to grow up in a city as big as this and to find out that somebody that you've been friends with for years a grew fellow up in the comedian. same place, yeah. it's so improbable and it's so fucking cool. Now, tell me, though, what was a young Brody Stevens like? What was the child Brody Stevens? Uh, a nice kid, smiled a lot, taken advantage of. I think people, younger people, didn't necessarily get me. Even like today so much, it, people don't always get me. And I think when I was younger, some of these older kids, they took me being a nice guy, me mm. smiling. They took it for being a weakness almost. So mm. I felt like I always maybe had to prove myself. But 
I grew up in that building, and mm-hmm. a lot of my memories come from that apartment building. And I think there was a lot of uh, divorced parents in there. Yeah. My mom and I lived there. Yeah, yeah I was living mom. there with my mom. So there was a lot of divorced mothers with, with kids, single moms. It's depressing as shit, the building. And... <laughs> I think the other uh, and the other uh, the other kids there. I'm not saying they're rough kids. They weren't rough. They like sports, but it uh-uh. wasn't the most. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can see why people go to private school. I could see why if right. you're Jewish, you might go to a, a synagogue. I was right. Jewish, but. I went to a public school. I lived in this apartment building. It was kind of rough on me, mm-hmm. I think, a little bit. Yeah. Like my niceness was taken advantage of by some of these tougher kids. Well, because in our apartment complex, I remember there was a lot of Armenian boys, teenagers, a lot of like um, Persians. Because I do remember hearing a lot of Persian being spoken. A lot of Persians. Yeah. I don't know about Armenians. but Th- My I, babysitter, Nadia, was... Actually, Armenian. I did have a friend named Isn't it Farsi being spoken? Oh, Iranians speak... What do they say? Persian, Farsi. Same okay. Thing, yeah. Right? There's same Persian. Thing. You're right. There were Armenians. Yeah. Some Latino. Some African-American. I don't remember. What do they speak? Remember. Oh. <laughs> 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 but I remember that there was... We were talking about the basketball court in the back... And like I was kind of afraid to go there as a little kid because there were these teenagers looming around and, and smoking cigarettes and like hooking. Those up. weren't cigarettes. Those were. Uh... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. It was a little. It was a little rougher. The building, it, it, yeah, it was a rough building. Same thing. I mean, just in that neighborhood when I lived in the other apartment building across the street when we moved around, and then even Reseda High School, I could see why. People make fun of Reseda. It's kind of like white trash. It's like the, I call it the New Jersey of the Valley. <laughs> really? And there is something to say. I could see why parents who have their kids want to put them in a private school or a nicer yes. school because it does affect your child later yes. on. And I feel that my, and I'm not in any way saying my upbringing was wrong or it was bad or I want to change. I mean, some things I would want different, but because of my, I feel because of my upbringing and what I went through, it definitely has made me a better comedian, mm-hmm. which For I think, sure. I mean, I think which all comedians would say like the more yeah. trad, not trad, I don't, I don't think tragedy is the right word, but the more, um, you know, difficulty growing up for whatever reason, probably makes you more interesting as a comedian. Absolutely. Now, wait, Brody. So you went to junior high. I'm trying to think of the years. Did, were they doing that thing where they bust in kids from South Central to come to Yeah, the, uh, yeah. more so in high school at Reseda, okay. more so. And then also in, when I was in sixth grade, I remember at Tarzana Elementary, they had, had. they had kids bust in. But I also got bust out to what? L.A., no, you got the reverse of that. I got you? the reverse. So what? For Fuck. fourth grade, I had to go from the valley to the Crenshaw district. No, what which is the like fuck? that's what it's LA not was South, doing. It's not South Central, but it's it's on the way to South Central. <laughs> but, but that's what LA Unified had this brilliant idea yeah. to level the playing field, right? Supposed, supposedly, supposedly, mm-hmm. and to reverse that, so to bring kids in from the rougher areas into the valley and vice versa. And it was a fucking tragedy. I used to get my ass kicked. Constantly by like gangbangers and shit. Were you bust or they came in? They came to, I went to Portola Junior High. Right, yeah. Six to like to eighth grade. 
Portola, there, there Portola. in Tarzana, up and in the hills. That's right. <laughs> Not in the hills. Well, the bottom of the hills. Yeah, yeah, the bottom. And uh, yeah, I used to get into fights constantly. So how did you, a young Stephen Brody Stevens, survive getting busted? I can in? see how you were a nice... Nice sweet. young man, sweet kid that would be taken advantage of. I can see that. I can too. Well, I think sports helped me. Playing baseball, being good at kickball, being good at handball. You were a good baseball player too. I was a good baseball player. I had a strong arm. I, so I think all those elements. I played basketball. Got so. that big frame. What are you, 6'3"? I'm 6'2". Six 6'2"? Two. Six two? So I was always tall, but I was a little gangly and goofy. But I think that's where some of the teasing came in. But I would say that... Playing sports helped me out a lot. And when I went to, I got bussed in fourth grade Ugh. and then half of fifth grade. That's when busing ended. Then when I came back to Tarzana, it was just so much more peaceful. Like just no busing. I'm in my neighborhood. Kind of like it is now. I moved back to the Valley. I was living in Hollywood for a year and I just moved back. It's just something about the Valley connects relaxes with me, you. relaxes Tarzana, me. Yeah. Tarzana. I, like I mean, as I've become older, I feel like. Career-wise, if I still like the Valley, I need to be more like towards Laurel Canyon where I can hop over to Hollywood quicker. Like when you're in Tarzana, it's a little too far out. Yes, yeah. But it does, it is suburbia and it does like chill me out a little bit. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but growing up, I I think, again, I'm glad, I'm not saying I want want too many things changed from my childhood, but I, I, I feel like there are, elements there that have uh, affected me. Sure. But I've tried to turn them into a positive as I've gotten older. Yeah, you're good at that. You, you... Very good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I try, I try to. I believe in, you know, therapy and positive thinking. A lot of that stuff I learned from in college, like playing baseball at Arizona State. We had a lot of uh, mind coaches, mental coaches. Baseball is a mental game. And I uh, would be in... We, had, we would visualize with positive language... I was more of a positive language guy, so bringing up positive imagery. So instead of saying, Tom, well, Tom, don't strike out, you would say, Tom, get on base. Yes, Mm. you got it. T.S., Tom Segura. Right. And then when we would run, like, it's a punishment almost. Like, okay, guys, you're going to run. Two-mile run. You're going to run to this. I would make it fun. i go, yes, we love it. Enjoy it. Running. Feeling good. And then some guys would get annoyed by that, but other guys would like we'd laugh and have a good time. So <laughs> it would take your mind off the actual struggle of the running, right, yeah, yeah. where you're having fun with it, and 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 made my running more, yeah, made it easier tolerable. mentally, yeah, yeah, exactly tolerable. And it's also you know it's it's funny, um, like especially for people that don't like that are in this entertainment business, you know, it's very easy to be um, jaded negative mm. um you can shit on what other people are doing or you're yeah you question why you're not doing it but it's amazing how if you just kind of focus on what you're doing and you stay positive and you don't let the outside things get in the way of what you're working on it can totally change the way you feel oh, and yeah. the outcome of what's going to yeah. come to you well it's hard you know compare and despair number one hey i like that I didn't come up with that. Where'd you get that from? From my friend Nadia. Wonderful. She says that. Compare and despair. Nadia (laughs) Comaneci, the famous gymnast. That's a wonderful... Because I find that once I stopped doing that a few years ago, it really helps you stay on your own page. Yeah, you you really... I'll make you slap somebody in the face. Hmm. (laughs) Right? You You gotta like... I think it's it's hard these days, especially with social media, 
never mind TV and uh, I would say never mind TV, but social media. Mm-hmm. It's it's in your face what somebody's doing. You know, I'm doing <laughs> yeah, this. I'm talking to this person, and then you click on their. Oh, let's see how many followers they have. Oh, they got a lot of followers. Why don't I have those followers? And then why am I not on that TV show? You're not putting that person down, but because of the social media, you're able to see highlights. You know, yeah. I, I didn't do Conan tonight, but I did it two weeks ago. Check out this video where this guy is doing that, and it's you start comparing yourself a little bit, and that and that's that's a hard thing. You don't want to do that. You want to actually be happy for people, sure. and, I, and I feel. You know, the happier you are for your friends, you push your friends, it comes back to you. You know, they get a show and they uh, bring you in. So it's like you don't want to have hatred towards. No. No. It's no. not healthy. But it's and, not and, healthy. And, and, and just like comparing isn't. It's No, it's bad. You got to like build up your own. And, and, and this, I, that's what's good about the internet. And I think podcasting and the do-it-yourself world is that you can build up your own crowd. You don't necessarily have to be a multi-millionaire oh, famous yeah. guy to survive. You can do it on your own these days. And, I so, love and in it. some ways that's a little more gratifying. I, love I think that. so. You I build up so. you you do it at your own pace. Oh God, sidebar, what? hold on. I just had a valley thing I want to oh, ask what's him okay. about. Did you ever go to the top of Reseda and get fucked up? I never got messed up like i didn't do like drink or drugs or anything like that in high school uh, i didn't start going up to the top of Reseda until like once i moved back home in 2000 just because there's hiking trails up there yeah. and it's a it, it is a nice view and it's nice to go up and overlook the valley blowjobs but <laughs> yeah well that's what it's for because oh, there really? is a street it's Reseda, and you literally you drive to the end of it and it takes you like up a hill and you would park there, and that's where in high school people would get blowjobs. Really? Or that was like hot. the inspiration point? Everybody <laughs> did that. I thought every my high school did. I mean, I can't tell you how many blowjobs I've given at the top of Reseda. Jesus. Countless thousands of guys. I mean, I did. Bust in from South Central. I did wander up there a couple times. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we did. <laughs> you never know. Probably. Yeah. yeah. You probably don't know the faces, right? Just the just the just dicks. the dicks. I don't even recognize voices or faces. <laughs> just the penis. Just penis and balls. You know, um, it's Brody as a Jewish man is in the middle of celebrating Hanukkah. <gasps> and happy Hanukkah. You know, I am. Um, so for you and dreidel, all of dreidel, our dreidel. Jewish listeners. Yes. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of clay. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Dreidel, dreidel, I made it out of clay. And when it's driving ready, dreidel, dreidel, clay. Do you have good Hanukkah memories? No, not really. You know, for me... For me and my family, we were more Christmas. Oh, you were? I I mean, we did Hanukkah. Don't get me wrong. We had Hanukkah nights and things of that nature. But I think for just the ease, the Christmas is just better. Like Christmas, it's one night. It's one day. It puts it all into perspective. So, do a lot of Jewish families do that? I don't. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I think American Jewish families. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, easier. Hey. Yeah, Christmas. I mean, Christmas is like an American holiday. Right. It, you know, what do you do? Not celebrate Christmas? Yeah. I mean, there are families, Jewish families, who don't celebrate Christmas. But I celebrate Christmas more of a, an American holiday, a spiritual holiday, if you I will. Gotcha. Uh, 
Hanukkah is just confusing. It's it eight is. nights. It's nine nights. When does it start? Who do I spend it with? <laughs> what do I do? I mean, I, I feel Jewish. If you were to say, Brody, do you feel Jewish? I would say, yeah, I feel it. But did I do all the Jewish traditional? Again. Again. Oh, he did. He put the mute on. I muted my mic. He so, did. I'm he did sorry. mute his mic. I'm sorry, Brody. I'm sorry. But it's... um. Yeah, at times I felt I feel like, oh, I wish I was more Jewish and I can connect with this stuff. But yeah. again, maybe that's what makes me what I am, like the fact that I'm not full-on bar mitzvahed, Jewish. You know, I went to Israel. I speak Yiddish and all that. I'm not that guy. Right. I'm more of but like... But you do look like Israeli special forces. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'm, I, I say I'm blue-collar Jewish. Okay. I you know, played that. a little sports, wasn't bar mitzvahed, um... You're not some push around Jew. That's for fucking. I'm sure. not a push around Jew, but I'm not a I'm not a confrontational guy <laughs> I at all. Need right? A okay. Push I mean, around you. I mean, if my back was against the wall, I'd come out fighting. Oh, but, I can see that. Sure. But I'm definitely not that. I'm not looking for a fight. No. Yeah. Especially yeah. now, since I'm on mood stabilizers, I haven't been mad at anybody for over a year. Wow. Really? Oh yeah. Mood stabilizers are good. Um. It's good for me. I mean, in terms of not going into that red zone, I never had rage or anything like that. But there were times when I would do warm up or I'll say comedy that I'd get upset with myself, mm-hmm. hard on myself, and then yes. also maybe hard on the audience to the point where they're saying like, "Is this real? Is he mad? You know, why are you so angry?" Type of thing. Where I was doing shtick, right? Whereas now, and then sometimes I would go into that red zone of anger. Whereas right now, the last year or so. If I do get angry or I don't go into that red zone, it's done with a wink. It's done with like not putting out that I'm not scaring crowds. Yeah. And I think that has something to do with the medication that I'm on. This mood stabilizer kind of like. What are you taking right now? Well, the mood stabilizer is Lamictal Mm -hmm. and it's very popular for people with bipolar. I take Lexapro, Mm -hmm. which is an antidepressant. And I was on that prior to everything happening to me. I'd, I've been on that for like five or six years. And that's just to take the edge off. I started taking Lexapro uh, and Celexa, which are similar meds. And that's all I was on was the Celexa. And then... To to be fair to, to listeners, when you say before everything happened, it's you're, are you making reference to a couple of years ago when you had like a bit of an episode? I had a bit say? of an episode about yeah. a year and a half ago, and that was from... I feel stopping my meds cold turkey. You're not well, yeah, you're, you're not, not supposed, supposed to, do that. to do that. And I was not under doctor supervision. It wasn't I didn't have a psychiatrist, I didn't have a psychologist, I had a general mm-hmm. practitioner who basically said, I'm not blaming him in any way, but he said, you know, take this. It works. A lot of people are on it. You'll feel better kind of thing. And there and the reason why I got into taking an antidepressant in the first place was one, coming back here to LA and then with this the explosion of social media and emails and websites and blogging and then Twittering and then just it was hard for me to keep up with that and then you got to write jokes and then you got to be a regular guy and pay your bills and it was like just this not saying a med changes everything but this can take a little bit of the edge off a little yeah. bit of the anxiety a little bit of the I wasn't I wasn't depressed I would get depressed maybe because I was too hard on myself, mm-hmm. analyzing myself. And the sure. fact that would drain me, and then I would be upset that I did that. So it was like I was depressed because I was hard on myself, 
And then just the fact that I was putting that energy into being hard on myself bummed me out. Then yeah. you flog yourself over being hard on yourself. Yeah, it's like right? uh, it's just keeps going. I do that too. Yeah, where you you're yeah you have the bad feeling and then you judge the bad feeling on top of it. Yeah, and you're mad at yourself. You're, yeah, you're just yeah. mad at yourself for doing that. Yeah. And so I felt like this Lexapro helped me out a little bit. It did, sure. and I was on it, and I had no problems. But and things were going good, and that's that's the problem. Like when you're on a med and it's you're you're doing well, things seem to be working, going well for you. It could be because the medication's working. Mm. You know, they're 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 that that's what I was dealing with the Lexapro. It was working, and then. And things were actually going pretty good for me. I felt good, and I and I, I kind of like weaned off, but too quick on my own, and it kind of set me off into sure. uh, this episode that I had, mm-hmm. where I was kind of out of character, yelling at people. I was not delusional, but I was grandiose thoughts. Basically, I had every uh, every classical trademark of uh, of uh, a bipolar episode a manic episode manic i had episode. all every uh, the criteria i met it all so is this the first time that anyone has thought of you as that like had you been diagnosed with that prior never i still fight i still fight that you know my doctor my psychologist and my psychiatrist too i guess i mean for insurance purposes they have to give you a, a label uh-huh. and right so they're saying i'm bipolar mm-hmm. i fight the bipolar label mm-hmm. because i feel like Maybe I, I was manic at times. I had mania in, in, once in a while, but it, like I never had road rage. It wasn't like I got in arguments at the improv. Um, I wasn't late to things. I, I butted heads late night at the comedy store with Don Barris. You know, if people push my buttons, kind of thing. But and then I work occasionally. I'd get on the audience for like, I can't believe you're not clapping and you're not laughing. This is a good show. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, oh, whatever. If you're not going to clap and laugh, don't. Yeah, right. Um, so I had those issues, like where I was like into my work, into my job, and mm. if I never complained about like I need more money or I, so I need a parking spot or I need a desk. It was always show related stuff. I was, you know, like monochronic into it. So. Basically, the med that I'm on now, the Lamictal, just kind of like takes that rage out. Not that I had a rage issue, but it's good for my comedy. It's That's great. It's good. good for my comedy. But it's a struggle with real life because I used to be able to, you know, I was exercising more. I was more active. I pushed things. I was less... I was kind of on the go more. And now when you're on this this Lamictal, which is beneficial, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. keeps me boxed in, not too high, not too mm-hmm. low. It makes my regular life a little more. I have to keep I have to really keep structure. Right. Uh, go out of my way to make sure I'm doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I'm I'm sure like everyday people whether you're on meds or not need to have that structure, but as a comedian, I'm not doing warm up Nine, I was doing it for nine straight years. You know, I had that structure. Right. So I have to really go out of my way to create structure, which anybody has to do. Right. So. Well, I tell you, I'm really proud of you uh, that you talk about this openly and that even when it happened, you were talking about it. Because- well, I was on Twitter, you know, I was, <laughs> I was on, I was in another, you know, state of mind and I right. was on Twitter. So I felt like, 
a lot of people saw what was going on. Yes. So when I went, I did go to the hospital. My friends set that up just to get me some care. <laughs> um, that's when I kind of thought about the the HBO show. Why don't we make this kind of like, you know, an inspirational story. I get out of the hospital mm. and I get back onto TV and I reconcile with my my family and my sister. Things that I feel like may have been stressors in my life and I wanted to kind of... There were things during that. I mean, I'm sure you heard this already from many people that um, people didn't know whether it was real or or um, like... Shtick, stick, fake, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Um, no, it was real. I was really... Um, in that frame of mind, grandiose thoughts, this is my chance, I'm the big guy, I'm from the Valley, I host a TMZ, hang over this, uh, don't mess with me. It kind of, I was able, I took shots at people who were like jerks to me in the past. Was that uh, some comics too, right? Some comics who were like dicks to me, and I felt like I had a window of my HBO opportunity, and I had I went to Ireland to perform. I hadn't done that before, and I did well. I went to Montreal, and I did well, other than being sick. And then I hosted TMZ when I came back. So I had all these things going on that kind of like filled my head up on top of not taking my meds. Which I think is the key component here is to not – finding the right meds for you was crucial because I've kind of watched you since then. And I know I, you now, you seem way better and balanced. And I think it's a large part. Is it, would you say due to the right meds? <laughs> I mean, I think that the cocktail of meds that I'm on, I take 30 milligrams of Lexapro. I take 300 milligrams of Lamictal. I also take a little thing called Latuda, which is just a backup for the Lamictal. I only take a very small amount. It's like an antipsychotic, even mm-hmm, though I'm not psychotic. Mm-hmm. And then I take Clonopin, which can be addictive, but that seems to be good for my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I've developed some anxiety. And, and that's the thing. When you have a manic episode, and nobody told me this until after, when you go up, 100% of the time you go down. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. when I had this manic episode, I felt like, okay, once I get stabilized, everything will be good. Well, it wasn't good. I went into a, you know, kind of a depression uh Dark depression, not over like, oh, what did I do to myself, but just not feeling myself, getting adjusted to these meds, uh, missing my old way of life, mm-hmm. missing the old Brody. Yeah. In ways, this new Brody is a better Brody. You know, I could talk more, a more, you know, mellower, but I kind of miss that old Brody. So it's kind of like I got to rewire my brain. Again, create structure. Try to do as many podcasts as I can. And the next thing for me is to get back in the gym and start working out. But I just don't have that drive. I could hike. Like when I was living over in Hollywood, I can get out and hike and do that. But to go to the gym and do upper body workout, lift weights, push-ups, I really haven't had that desire. And I feel that some of that has to do with the meds. Sure. and I and I, I need to keep in shape just for my health. So anyway, I'm adjusting going to the gym as opposed to doing the outdoor training because when I did Runyon Canyon, which is here in Hollywood, basically every day, it's like it was a great maintenance workout. I was able to hike, but I was missing the weights, missing pushing the iron, but I just didn't have that drive. Now that I'm back in the valley and I'm away from Runyon Canyon, I really got to like push it and create that. And again, also... 
Everyone goes through that. It's not a specific thing to me where, oh, only I don't want to do the gym. Oh, a lot of Nobody. people don't want to do on, it. Yeah. No, no. I don't well, I'm glad to you're. I'm glad you're. You're in a much better frame of mind. It's positive, um, and you seem healthy and happy. And we're glad you came to visit us, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Brody, this. we love. Is you. it over? No, I'm just. You know, I'm just. Make, I'm just saying that. You know. Oh yeah, thanks. I mean, I, I love doing podcasts. It's it's. It's therapeutic. I feel also, and I don't want to use it as therapy. I don't want to dump on you know. No, no, no. Can I just say though, uh, my mom's uh, uh, she's got her own issues. Okay. with uh, mental illness. Right. And the problem is, is that nobody talks about it. Nobody's really open, especially in showbiz. A lot of people in show business have bipolar, like with Charlie Sheen when he had his meltdown, and. Uh, you know, everyone just goes, oh, this guy's crazy, and they don't talk about, well, what's really happening here? Your chemicals and your brain is doing this and that. And I, I feel like more people like you come forward and tell your story and and openly say, I have to take medicine to regulate the chemicals in my brain. Sure. Maybe somebody listening goes, you know what, I think I might have something. Maybe I should go see somebody. Because my mother won't take meds. My mother won't. Uh, admit that something is wrong. And it's devastating for our family. It's devastating to me. I'm the one that ends up on the goddamn therapy couch every week because of because of something she won't deal with. Yeah. So it's wonderful that you are open about this. And- well, and I, I say thank you to that. And it's not something that... I mean, I guess I've always been honest. People have said, Brody, you're honest up there when you speak your mind. I don't like go out of my way to be honest and speak my mind. It just kind of happens naturally. And then with this, I guess, quote unquote, mental illness, if you want to say that I fall under that umbrella. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't mind talking about it. Is that it. what we call this? I, I mean, are you? But I mean, bipolar, bipolar is a bipolar disorder. Disorder. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I, what I, would that be? Yeah, it falls under the right. mental health, you know, banner. Sure. Yeah, it does, and. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I talk about it for a couple of reasons. One, it makes me feel better. It's yeah, therapeutic. So to get like, get it out of my system and talk about it. I do feel better about that. And then I think just me hearing other people talk about, yeah, I'm on Prozac or mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in lots, therapy, lots um, of you know, celebrities or whatever. So they kind of like gave me the courage to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, I mean, Howard Stern talks about stuff. Not that I listen to him all the time, but I know he's oh, very open. And I know other radio guys, like when I heard one radio guy, oh, I, I take Prozac. And mm-hmm. so it made me feel like, wow, this radio guy who's on talking about it, I can talk about of it. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then what Charlie Sheen went through and not comparing myself to him. But he's but, not, but yeah, no, you guys are not alike at all. I mean, he's also, what, beating his wives and, and being right, a yeah, general scumbag. But I'm saying that that, that issue, we, we ended up kind of idolizing that guy which is weird like i see the billboards of him like he's back he's on yeah and it's like really no no no. that guy was deeply troubled it probably is still deeply troubled and why is no one talking about that part of it well america loves a comeback you know he's probably and he's probably <laughs> I, know. I mean I, he may have been on drugs uh absolutely in conjunction with having i'm, I'm guessing some kind of uh, brain problems. It's possible, on. yeah. Chemical imbalance, absolutely. And I'm not saying like I'm clear out of the woods. I think every day, like I think like, and and that's why I do structure. It's like if I sit right. in my house and I just ruminate and just think of things, which is easy to isolate. Which is what ends up happening to a lot of people. They it's isolate. easy to isolate, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I get 
Yeah, it's been a hard year in terms of me doing comedy and me podcasting, me selling T-shirts, me creating a support system. It's been a hard year for me. It's been it's been hard, and I still, you know, when you when you have a mental issue and then you go to the hospital, mm. you know, it's kind of a weird thing. You know, you don't want to go back. You went through that. And you feel like, wow, maybe I am messed up. And am I going to get better? Or is this something that is going to lead to more serious stuff? You have these. It's a struggle. Right, of it's course. not. It's not easy. Um, but I feel like it is getting easier. Some in some ways, I like, feel like you are getting more balanced, and you seem happier. Like I said, every time I see you, it's a, you're building back. Uh, yeah. In better, better ways. I know that you said you want the old Brody, but I'm thinking that this new Brody's a lot better. It's a good Brody. That's what my mom says. It's a good says. Brody. Yeah. And I, I think you should be really uh, proud of yourself. And and I don't know. I like I like how you are now. I Thank think that you. it's healthier for you. We got to read a couple results um, real quick. Uh, oh. It's that time. Yeah. Um, from Fill Her Up, Seal Her Shut, uh, we did our... Jewish edition. Oh, okay. Um, a week or so ago, and how appropriate Brody is here. My Jewish blood. Um, so we had. A, whoa. What just happened? What you? just happened? Um, his headphones broke. Yeah, just broke oh, they just went out. They're dying. That's oh. right. Wow. Headphones. Somebody run to Fry's Electronics uh, and get Tom. Are there headphones. batteries in these guys? Oh, um, you're using are... your fancy Boses. Oh, do you the wanna, Bose battery. Do you want to? No, it's okay. Oh, batteries. Backup batteries. Bose backup batteries. You got it. <laughs> hey, I have a would you rather for us to do after this. After we're done with reading the results. What are the results? Are you going to read results of? You know how I feel about you just dropping shit like that. I know. Well, don't we have it Um, more figured out? Yeah, we do. All right. So fill her up, seal her shut, Brody, is where we we mention a couple of people, usually well-known people, and we say, who would you rather fill up and seal shut with your love sauce? Okay. Or be filled up and sealed shut by, depending on your preference. Okay. So no, I want to. I want to fill somebody. I don't want to be. I don't need to be filled up. <laughs> Say that again. I don't need to be filled up. But you'd like to fill somebody up. Okay. Fill a girl up. Sure, or a guy. Um, if we play with both genders, it doesn't matter. So we had Bette Midler or Barbara Streisand for our older Jewish edition. Who would you rather? Who would you rather fill up and seal shut? That's a tough one. But I'm going to go with Barbara Streisand. Wow, she looks pretty good in the guilt trip. <laughs> Well, some of the voters, um, they went to facebook.com slash your mom's house podcast and they voted Bette Midler 58 to 21. Really? Wow. Really? I wow. think the general consensus was that Midler's fun. Um, she's going to be playful. She's going to let you try some things you maybe want to try. She's going to have a laugh. And the Streisand might be a little more uppity, yeah. stuck up, mm, high maintenance. That was the general feel. You know what? I mean, I could see that. I'm not. Maybe I jumped into it too quick. Yeah. But I was just thinking, Barbara Streisand. She looked good. I mean, I've been seeing her in these. She's on the buses. She's on the billboards right now. Looks good. So maybe I'm getting, you know, pulled in by that. Probably. Whereas Bette Midler, I don't know what she's. She hasn't been on a lot lately. 
But she looks good. She's, she's got fun. big she's hooters. Fun. Yeah. She's fun and big hangers. Meteor. She used to show them too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she used to show those hangers. Flash them. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Now, the other person we threw out there, the other duo, older Jewish men, Mel Brooks, Woody Allen. <laughs> if I had to? Yeah. This is you have to spend the night with one and get, get frisky with him. You're saying I have to. You have to. Yeah. It's... Who do you choose? Well, I am 10% gay, and that's okay. that's been mentioned on a lot of other podcasts. I didn't know that. 10%. 10% gay. Okay. I would say probably Woody Allen, because he's into oh. like he's into freaky stuff. He's with his daughter. He's wow. with an Asian. <laughs> am, I, am I off on that? Well, the voters on this one voted <laughs> Mel Brooks 60 votes. Wow. Woody Allen, seven. Why, what? I, why am I not connecting with your audience? You're, you're not yeah. filling up and sealing shut the way they are, and I don't know why that is. Set, wait, Woody Allen only got... Seven votes. Wow. And Mel Brooks got 60. He's not liked. He's not I don't want to, you know, Mel Brooks, he's, I mean, he's a little bit older than Woody. Uh-huh. Woody both. might be f- frailer. He's skinnier. <laughs> he's frail. But Mel Brooks, you know, he's... I guess he could take it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Now, we also, we didn't read, I don't think we read, did we read the results from the latest porno edition? I don't think we did. I don't think did. we did. People also threw out, uh, it was Belladonna or Jenna Jameson? Belladonna. Wow, no hesitation. I was Belladonna, too. I, I think you were Jenna. I Jenna. I like Jenna. I'm Bella, Belladonna for life. Be- <laughs> <laughs> Belladonna. <laughs> 73 votes, Jenna Jameson, 23. Yes, wow. now I'm connecting. Now you're connecting. Wow. Um, and I then guess we Jenna's had... high maintenance. Is that what it is? She's not as down for whatever? Oh, well, I mean, Belladonna's work is just, it speaks for it's itself. It's her work. I mean, yeah, her, her <laughs> library, her, uh, yeah, her catalog. Catalog, catalog yeah. of work, her body of work. Exactly. Mm. And mm. Pun intended. Pun very mm. much intended. Mm. Um, and then we did some old school porno people. Nina Hartley or Ginger Lynn? Probably Nina Hartley. She's still around. Yeah, she is. Yes. And uh, I believe I took Nina Hartley. I think we all did that day. I think everybody took Nina Hartley. Yeah, I liked her energy. Well, She's she won. got Have you met energy. her? She's been on your show? No. No, but I just, I've just i seen interviews She I would like years. to have on, by the way. And we should, we could, oh, Nina Hartley? Let's try to get her on. That'd be fun. She's um, very pro she's you know, an advocate. empowerment. I like her a lot. I like her. Like, she has good energy. Good positive. Brody, energy. you chose wisely. She won 50 to 27. Nice. I'm getting it. I'm on a hot streak. Yeah, this one might be a little confusing. It might, it might be complicated. RuPaul? It was Ron Jeremy or Evan Stone for mm-hmm. male performance. I don't know Evan Stone. That, that's why it might be confusing. He's, uh, he's got long hair. He looks kind of like the romance novel kind of cover. Oh, guys. really? Yeah, like uh, what's the guy's name? Fabio. Like, he looks kind of like... Oh, Fabio. so Fabio or... Ron, or the Hedgehog. Oh, of course, Fabio. <laughs> Am I too into this now? No, no but what? we get into it like he that. Won. He what? won. Evan Stone won. Yes, you got it. The Hedgehog taken down. A couple uh, real quick notes. Um, if you want to vote on the next uh, voting thing, go to facebook.com slash your mom's house podcast. Like the page. You can comment. You can post. You can vote, as do we. Um, also, we have to thank... Black Lagooner, Mark Manning, oh, for the right. amazing care package, Thank Christmas you. package. Awesome sweatshirt, T-shirt, so many good Cookies. treats, the card. You're a beautiful man. And John Adams, thank you for sending me the authentic 
Derek Brooks jersey from Florida State. I was going to frame it and hang it up in here. <laughs> Very excited about that. You went to Florida State? I did not. I'm a big Seminole fan. You, you know got it. Experience. Tallahassee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Derek Brooks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, great man, great player, great human being. Couldn't be happier about that. Um, I want to do Would You Rather real okay. quick. Oh, I found a clip of Brody, uh, just a quick audio clip from him. Uh, from uh, enjoy it. Fucking camp. <laughs> There's Brad. That was it. That, that was, was great. Um, okay, you have a would you rather? Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is the other thing mm-hmm. uh, to the people still listening uh, to the show right now. We mentioned this before. We didn't plug. We haven't plugged. We always forget to plug this. That if you go to the site right now, mm-hmm. we put up a poll of oh, cities right. that we're considering going to to do stand-up together together yeah specifically together oh wow and so it only has like five cities we ask that please only vote on those if you realistically live in that area because it's just gonna screw us up if you're like yeah i would love to see you in austin but i live in you know milwaukee like please don't click that you live us in, in persia i yeah, can't drive in to persia austin great example today. so um please if you are in those areas and you would want to see us there? Would you, you would you click on the uh, on the appropriate city in that poll? Thank you. We would love you for that. Yes, you're welcome. Yes, push. All right. What do you have for us, <laughs> Brody? I'm right I love here. This song. I love this mix. Yes, push. <laughs> Believe you got it. It's me, Stephen Brody Stevens. Hanging out with my friends, Tom and Christina. 818, you got it. Florida State, Tom's got that. I am Brody. I drove down here in my automobile. <laughs> and I'm gonna go back on only feel. Not wow. the Google map, not the Yahoo map. I follow the train to the station. <laughs> I love it. That was yeah, that classic. was amazing. Yes, freestyle. I can rap. I can freestyle. When you hear Cosby theme music, it always means would you rather, Brody. Oh, it does? Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing we do. Would you rather Claire Huxtable or Cockroach? <laughs> <laughs> cockroach. Claire. Okay, so here's what prompted this one. Okay, Brody, so... I went to the restroom yesterday. Okay. And I made a bowel movement. Oh, a BM, they like to call it in the business. <laughs> but it was like no other BM in that it smelled like dog's diarrhea. Have you ever had a BM that smelled like dog diarrhea? Like a big dog, like a Great Dane. I've had a BM that smelled like a cat poo. <laughs> like... But not just a small amount, like right, right. cats. When cats go poo, it's small, right. and it's probably they're pretty solid. <laughs> but I've had poo that is there's more, um, more, more uh, bowel movement it, tissue yeah. than what a cat would have, and it would smell like a but cat. It smells the cat. It smells of cat poo. Cat poo, yeah, not dog poo cat poo <laughs> but mine didn't just smell like dog poo it was like the di- like dog diarrhea like oh yeah and Jesus. i mean i had some Is lasagna there a would you rather in here yeah so sorry that prompted uh, me protein uh, does that to me okay like, i will i will i will fart up a gym <laughs> <laughs> well that prompted me to think to myself 
Uh, I wonder if the dog's diarrhea smells that way because they're eating dog food. And then I thought, well, what would I rather eat, dog food or cat food? Like, if I had to choose between the two for a week, which would I choose? And I, I can't decide. So what would you choose? Probably dog food. Just because it's, you know, the the milk bone, it's solid. It, it's like an animal cracker. You can put your mind around that. <laughs> What's in cat food? Just dirty fish parts? Oh, What's in it? Cat food is disgusting. <laughs> I think I would cat food would smell worse. Oh, my God. Cat food smells like your breath, Christina. And I think <laughs> I would choose you? dog food. <laughs> it, it's passable. It's like a crunchy treat. You could be like, all right. Not the kibble, get, the wet kind. A, a oh, it's got to be wet food? That's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, it's wet food. Either wet cat food I still think stinky. I think still wet dog food. Because then you could think it's like t- tuna. This right. is just tuna. This is uh, <laughs> chunky albacore <laughs> packed in water. I think it'd be way more, way <laughs> right. foul, way foul to drink, to but, eat the, <laughs> the cat food would be so disgusting. It would be like, it would be like eating a cat's like wet asshole. Like it's, it's ground up. It's fishy. Well, and it's, it's, just, ma- it's made it's... for a small animal. Oh yeah. At least dog food, you can get. You know, for a big one, if you're going to have a milk bone, you want like the Great Dane or the German yeah. Shepherd. Milk and bone. old people eat it, so there must be. Do some they really? They eat dog. It's sad, but there's been reports that old people eat dog. <laughs> no, no I've heard that poor. before. It's not. It's not funny, but it is because they're poor and they can't afford food. And Jesus Christ! But my thinking is there must be. It must be more nutritionally valuable than the dog food, than cat food. If, I if think old the people cat, are eating I it. think the cat food would be. So revolting. <laughs> it'd be like eating out of a gutter. Like, it'd be like gutter food. But it's, but it's just fish. You, but you already fish. have the mouthful. <laughs> Your mouth is very cat food friendly. I cannot believe you're saying that. Not, that is so rude. Christina has a, that is a, so a shark mean. tank. <laughs> she does? Really? Yeah. yeah. Is that <laughs> from your diet? you that. He's just saying that. It's so, this is an inside joke you and I have been doing since August where he's like, God, your mouth smells like a shark tank. And, and now it's gone to cat food a few nights ago. And I cannot believe you just said that on the podcast. Cat How food is, is grosser than Shark Tank. Cat, cat food's <laughs> gross. But I think Christina would choose cat food. Look, it's just fish. It's mashed up fish. There you go. It's like if you like seafood, you're going to go for the cat food. I'm going to eat the cat food. Okay. Um, all right. Is there another one? Or is that it? No, I just like that. I Here, love it. Wait, can I tell you why I'm opposed to dog food? Yeah. When you empty a can of dog food, there's that gelatin that often surrounds it. That gelatin alone is I agree. not to. I agree. You can strain it out. Strain yeah. it out. Strain it out. You can give us that option. Um, wow, okay. Jesus Christ. This was so fun. <laughs> we, uh, we've come to the end of the show already. This is it, Stephen Brody. Stephen. This is the end of the road. The cul-de-sac in the oasis. <laughs> I what? I want to thank you for coming. Also, this is the last episode before Christmas, so mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope you're safe. We want to thank you for a wonderful year of love and celebration. And farts and And dumps. and dumps and brownness. We wish you all a very hairy... Hairy, hairy very, Krishna. Hairy Krishna and a hairy Christmas. <laughs> And a hairy, very Christmas. You're yes, right, we though. do. Persians speak Farsi. You're right about that. I think they do. Right. For once yeah. in your fucking life. So do we uh, do? Do you ask me like where I can be reached? Like my Twitter account? Do you <laughs> want me to do that? We should do that. Huh? Um, or I, does that not matter? Do it, it does matter. Do um, it. Where? Let me let me do this professionally. Brody, uh, Brody, 
Where can our listeners find you? Yes, you got it. I am on Twitter at Brody is me friend. Brody is me friend. It's an homage to my bus boys in New York, Tony yep. and Mr. Lee, Albanian and Chinese. Brody, you good guy. You me friend. It's an homage to them. <laughs> and you, you would say Brody is, is me, me friend. Yeah. So it's an homage to them. I'm so it's sh- at Brody is me friend. Yes, correct. That's my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram if you care to check that out. That's at Broad36. I follow you. On Instagram. I'm follow you right now. Okay. Broad36, he does a lot of very Broad-centric Photoshop <laughs> photos. Of- I've been, yeah, I've been doing some Photoshops recently. You do it yourself? Mm. Yeah. It's great. It's fun. It's just one of those crazy little apps. Yeah. So I'm on that, Broad36 at Instagram. You can also email me. If you want to do that, I try to answer as many emails as I can. It's Brody at BrodyStevens.com, B-R-O-D-Y at BrodyStevens.com. And I sell merchandise also, BrodyMerch.com. And uh, I have a podcast, Festival of Friendship, on Feral Audio Network. Check that out. And I'd love to get Christina and Tom on that. Yes. Do yes. some cross-promotion. Yes. We would love to you. be on the show. I just followed Anytime. you on Instagram. Please let me know. Are you a package deal? No, we, we, we go we, separate. We go separate usually. but we, Okay, you know, separate we, cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. I'm always looking for guests. Okay. I'd love to come do it. On the Festival of Friendship. I'll drive to you. Yes, you got it. Hollywood. (laughs) Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas.